Welcome to the Fit Dad Club podcast. My name is Travis Jones. I'm here with Jason Barrett today. Hope we're all doing good out there. And how are you doing today, Jace? I'm doing well. I'm on the end of my sickness, so I'm back into full beans, uh, plus baby sleeping a little bit better, so that always helps. And where it's the day of the eclipse here in WA where you just had like 70% light for like the last hour and a bit. It just was a bit weird. It's like the whole world had sunnies on for a little bit. So um, yeah, that was, that was cool. Uh, and yeah, that was it. It was just a cool thing that happened. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, it's been a good week over here as well. Um, yeah. Today, guys, we are talking about something a little bit different. Um, anyone who is coaching with us or isn't coaching with us at the moment, you're going to get a lot out of this because it is the 16 habits that our clients do who get the best results. Now, these some are, you'll be like, oh, really? Does that work? And some are you know, quite specific and you'll be like, oh, I haven't been doing that before. But these 16 habits, if you can write them down or just take notes as you're going through this and lock and load them into your life, you'll be in the top 1% of people who have body transformations. You know, we get people who drop, you know, at least one and a half to two kilos a week. Some people who fully get shredded with abs and get the results that they never thought possible. We've got everything, people dropping 30 to 40 kilos and, you know, getting bodies in their 50s that they never had in their 20s. And all the people who get the best results follow these exact 16 habits. So, like I said, guys, write some notes. If you're listening while you're driving, you know, take some mental notes and come back to it and then write them down. Because if you do these 16 things, your body transformation, if you're undertaking one right now, will go to the next level. And if you aren't taking doing one right now, at least they'll inspire you on what habits you should be doing and undertaking to get the best transformation. I'll go, we'll go one for one and we'll have a bit of a delve in for these. But I think the first one that I'm going to start off with is number one thing is they understand that it's a lifestyle that they need to keep these habits for the rest of their life. It's like, it's not the quick fix. It's not like, Hey, I'm going to do this 21 days. I'm going to do this 16 week transformation, then go back to my previous habits. They've understood that their old habits was, were taking them in a trajectory that they didn't like. They didn't like the role model they were being for their kids, the energy they had for their family, the way they looked with their shirt off, they understood that their previous habits were not going to serve them now and they were not going to serve the future version of them. They've looked out over the next five years and understood that if I keep doing this, the person I am going to be and the person I'm going to become, I'm not comfortable with that. So I need to fundamentally change who I am as a human being and go, these were my behaviors. I'm going to divorce them just like a marriage. Okay. I'm going to divorce them. I am separating from them. They can, you know, they can, we're not going to pay them alimony. We're not going to do anything like that. I'm just divorcing them and they can keep their habits. And I am going to marry the new version of me, me, just like a contract. I'm marrying the version of me who is going to take me towards the best version of me over the next five years and they look at okay if i if i do these steps if i do these training if i do um you know this nutrition tracking i'll increase my education it's going to help me understand and eyeball food properly i'll get a better understanding of what is in food what makes me feel better and i love how the training makes me feel and i know if i then understand that if i keep these for life i'm just going to keep getting better I'm going to be 1% better every single day, every single week, every single year. I'll just keep compounding. It's like compounding interest. We keep getting better with age. And they are marrying that person. It's like, this is now the person I am. I was fat dad. That was the behaviors. I've divorced them. I know what fit dad is. I know the behaviors I must adopt, not just to drop the weight, but because of how it makes me, it makes me as a human being. I'm marrying this person with a bright line contract. These were my, I had a lack of standards and now I have standards. There were a bu- was a bunch of shoulds. I should work out. I should eat healthy and all the rest of it. But now it's a must. For me to be the person who I am, I must do these set of criteria on a daily or weekly basis. And that's who is making me be the best version of me for my kids, for my parents, for, yeah, for sure, your parents, for your wife, for everyone around you. You are the shining example of what health is. And that is probably one of the biggest things. 
divorcing their past, marrying their future version of them, which is the best version of them, and continuing to stay with that contract with themselves, with doing what they said they were going to and having that internal alignment, internal integrity with their word. And their word is their bond. I think that is one of the first ones, and that is the most crucial one that these guys who get the best results actually adopt. If you're not doing it for life, then why are you doing it, right? So that's, again, key number one. That's what keeps you going for the long term. That's like the overarching principle. The rest of these are the things that you want to have in place for life. This isn't, a, yeah, as Trav said, it's not a quick fix. Um, the next one, number two, is this is one of the big ones that you touched on. But when it comes to training, they look forward to the way that training makes them feel. So rather than it becoming focused on, oh, I've got to get up early or I've already had a long day and I'm feeling tired, I'm feeling lethargic and I don't really want to train. Instead of thinking about the pre-training, what they focus on is how do they feel when they're done? How do they feel when they finish their run? How do they feel about themselves? How do they feel when they've been in the gym, they've got their pump on? I was actually speaking to my wife about this the other day. We've had some, struggle, some struggles with uh, the baby sleeping lately. And during the day, it means that she hasn't been able to do her backyard workout routine that, that I've done up for her. And she's like, this is like one of the first times I've really noticed the difference in how I feel and how way my body feels when I'm training versus when I'm not training. Um, it just makes you so much more aware of your body and so much more connected to it and gives you that really good endorphin rush and that feeling. And that's not something that she's ever really had um, that much before. So it's, it's something that a lot of the successful dads will do is they'll focus on how am I going to feel once I get this session done? How am I going to feel when I'm in there? I'm going to feel like I'm, you know, I'm growing my muscles. I'm going to feel like I'm shredding that fat. That's going to be the mentality when I'm exhausted, you know, sweat is fat crying, all of that kind of stuff. Like that's whatever mentality it takes, but they look forward to how it feels once they're in the gym, once they've finished their session, as opposed to what most people do, which is they focus on how they feel right now before they go to the gym. Oh, I don't want to go right. Like one thing, and you know, I, I haven't rated the biggest loser as far as a transformation show goes for the long term, right? It's very, uh, very volatile and short term focused. But one of the things that I love that um, I think Michelle Bridges talked about is like, if you don't want to go to the gym, go to the gym for five minutes, 10 minutes, mm. say, I'm going to go for 10 minutes. And if I still don't want to be there after 10 minutes, then I'm going to go home. But then once you get in there and you actually get into momentum, you realize, actually, no, I feel good. I'm ready to be here. But you've got that ability to say, you know what, if I actually am feeling like fucking exhausted or I've got the flu or some shit like that, you know, I'm not going to go to the gym. So focus on the way the training makes you feel. And that's what the most successful guys do. They think, how am I going to feel after this session? I'm going to feel amazing every single time. I've always felt amazing after I've done a session. So I'm never going to not do a session. And that's their baseline. Mate, I completely agree. And just to elaborate on that a little bit more, it's like they don't think about how it makes them feel right now, uh, like in, in the future. Oh, I'm going to train today because I know that I'm lifting the weights and in 12 weeks, I'm going to get muscles. It's not a delayed gratification with this, how it makes them feel. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a, like I train today because I want to feel good today. They mm -hmm. understand that the training today and every single day makes them feel better. It makes them feel like the best version of them. The endorphin release, the brain, you know, BDNF, the brain-derived neurotropic factor, the cognitive function, the alertness, the energy they get from training. Every it just it makes them feel like they are an unstoppable person. Okay, so I think it they they disconnect from the long-term goal when they're training, it's like, no, I understand that. Yes, there is a long-term solution that training will gain the lean muscle mass. I'll get shredded all the rest of it. Yeah. Happy days, mate. But they link it to today. I know if I train today, I am going to feel the best version of me today, which helps me follow my nutrition, which helps me better be a better partner and get any type of my frustrations out with throwing some weights around in the gym. It just allows them be, to be the best version of them because if they don't focus on how it makes them feel today, then they're like, oh, I'm just not feeling it today. I've only got to do a four-day split. I'll just do it tomorrow. So you start to put it off. And then we'll start to put it off again and again. But if we start to focus on it, how it makes them feel today in this very moment, and I always often think it's like, well, if I do something right now um, or don't do something, how will I feel in you know seven minutes, seven hours, seven days, right? Well, if I don't train right now in seven minutes, well, I'll probably keep lying in bed and I won't be feeling anything. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Um, in seven hours, if I don't train this morning and put it off, I'll probably start making less than best version less than best version of me choices around my food because for me 
Training is a very much a keystone habit. When I train, I'm on point with my nutrition and I'm on point mentally as well. I'm just more focused and dialed in. That's when I feel my, when I feel lethargic and I normally go for, say, a run in the afternoon, I'll actually start to pull my run earlier in the day because I know that switches me on mentally. So I'm like, in seven hours, you know, I'm not going to feel the best. In seven days, if I miss one of my training sessions, again, I'm like, ah, I said I was going to do something and I missed it. So again, I'm a little bit off. But if I then, if I look at it, if I do do it, well, in seven minutes, my blood's pumping. I'm already starting to feel good. In seven hours, like I crushed that workout today. I know I was more alert. I was more cognitively aware for my whole day because of that. And I would have crushed my day and I would have made better choices. In seven days, I can look back and it's like, yeah, man, I smashed the game this week. I hit my points. I, I knocked it out of the park. So I always sort of have that seven minutes, seven days, or seven hours, seven days kind of mentality around it. And you know, that also makes me come back and it's like, nah, I trained because it makes me feel good today. The The next thing we, we look at is they focus on the weekends because they know it's the most crucial. We've harped on about this so much. You know, there is less structure on the weekends for probably 99% of people, right? You know, 99% of people during the week, there's structure, you know, whether if, if you're working from home or really if you're working, um, you know, in an office or in a factory or wherever you are, you wake up in the morning at a certain time, you get ready or you go to the gym, you get ready, you go to work, you know, you eat at a certain time, you have a break at a certain time, you come home at a certain time. There is a very little flexibility in the hours around your work shift. Okay. So there is a high amount of structure, which allows you to create routine and rituals around that. There is less downtime on during the weekdays. And then we come on the weekends, there's less structure. There's more flexibility and with flexibility creates more decisions. And then when we have the ability, when we're trying to change our habits and we're trying to make more decisions, there's a higher amount of a higher ability for us to make poor decisions. And also there's a higher amount of procrastination and boredom. And when we are bored, we eat. When we're sitting on the couch, we eat. When we're doing social engagements, we eat. When we're, when we're stressed, we eat. So when we look at it, because there is more time for boredom, there is more time for social engagements, there is less structure as far as the time we eat as well. So you might push back, you know, or, or when we're going out for breakfast or we're going out for lunch or lunch gets pushed back a couple of hours, you're in the house walking, the environmental factors playing, there's always a fridge, you're walking past the fridge like 28 times a day or the cupboard. So when we look at it, they understand the weekends matter most because they are structured during the week. And if they can create a great structure on the weekend, they're not taking two steps forwards Monday to Friday and one step backwards or even two steps backwards Friday to Monday. They know that I'm going forward Monday to Friday and I'm holding the line from Friday to Monday. And they know if they do that, they wake up on Monday, they're the same weight as they were on Friday, if not even lighter if they can, but they hammer it the next Monday to Friday because they're not behind the eight ball. They're not behind the game and trying to play catch up anymore. So it's a constant offensive attitude, not offensive, but offense um, when we're not playing defense. Piss people it's off. Not, <laughs> we're not piss trying to piss off people off. <laughs> exactly. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> we're, not, we're, not trying to, we're not trying to piss people off. We're just playing offense all the time, right? So we're not playing defense. It's not playing catch up. We're just like, we structure out. Okay. They know that if I'm going out this weekend, when am I going out? Where am I going out? I pick what I'm going to eat before I go out. They've got this, 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 they're playing offense. They've got this attitude. I know exactly what I'm doing. Okay. I know that I normally have lots of steps um, during the week at work. Okay. I know on my weekend, I'm not getting as many steps in. How can I create that plan of attack to do some steps with the family to get it in? You know, well, my training is a keystone habit. I really love to train, but I want to spend time with the family. What's a 10 to 20 minute workout I can do at home in the mornings before everyone wakes up so I can be on the ball and smash it out of the park. So they, they have this mentality where it's like, no, I fight through Friday and I dominate Saturday and I dominate Sunday because when I wake up Monday, like I'm, I'm full steam ahead. I'm not like lethargic. I'm not playing catch up. I'm not hungover. It doesn't take me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to get my head back in the game. They wake up Monday fresh and ready to dominate the week. And I think that is like a huge factor. Like, again, one of the biggest factors, if you don't screw up your weekends, 
because when we look at that calorie deficit, if we're staying in a deficit Monday through Friday, and then we go into a surplus, you know, Friday through Monday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we start eating more calories, we're drinking more beers and all the rest of it, and we're squashing that weekly deficit, so we end the week at a bit more of a plateau or of a minimum fat loss. And it's like, no, they stay in that deficit on the weekends, and they that means they mentally super motivated. You know, and like for them, they, they want to wake up Monday and they want to crush the week rather than feeling like, nah, I'll do it tonight. I feel a bit tired. I'm a bit hungover on Monday morning. And then it just starts the week off shit. Normally, the, t- the, the tone we start the week is how the week progress progresses. So we want to start the week with this amazing tone where we're like, just want to crush it. And by dominating your weekends, that is how we do it. Yeah. A lot of people forget that your schedule either comes together by default or by design. And when you're in the middle of the week, you've got, you've already got structure inbuilt. So when you go to this lack of structure, you just you like, don't assume that the best version of yourself is going to show up. They don't assume that, oh, you know, the, uh, the meal prep fairy is going to come along and I'm just going to have all these, these, uh, I wish there was a fucking meal prep fairy. Screw the tooth oh, no. fairy, right? Um, there's a, oh, yeah, give me some, some ground beef and, uh, and rice in my fridge for me. Thank you. But oh, I'm the meal prep fairy. Um, so. So if they don't think that that's just going to happen. They know that they've got to do something about it. And too many people struggle with the idea that, oh, it'll, I'll just make it up as I go along. I'll just, they, they rely on, we've talked about this before, Trav's talked about this, reactive discipline as opposed to structural discipline. But that is more important on the weekends than it is on any other time. That's why they succeed. Um, the next one, which kind of links into this, is that they don't have an all or nothing mentality which causes them to binge. I was actually speaking to a client of mine yesterday about this, where he's like, oh, I tend to just, you know, if I have pizzas, then I want beers, then I want this, then I want that, right? So he hasn't found a way to have that, 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 um, he hasn't found a way to have that restraint yet where you can have a little bit of something. And I was like, look, bro, but what if you just did this? What if we focused on having something that, you know, let's say we have some pizza, but we have some pizza, we do it in a smart way where it's relatively lean and you can have it more frequently. Then you don't feel like you're restricting all the time. Oh, okay. That's, that that would work. I think if I could have that every now and then that would really make me feel good. And part of this all or nothing mentality comes from a sense of restriction, right? Which you will get from a lot of different diets. You'll get from, from doing keto. You can't have any carbs. You'll get from doing, you know, certain other diets, whether it's vegan or carnivore or whatever, you've got, you've got all this restriction placed on you, but because our clients work usually within macros and they're trying to hit certain targets and they can pick whatever foods they want, they say, you know what, they kind of mentally say to themselves, I can have this if I want it. But, you know, what's going to move? Is it going to move me towards my goals? Does it fit within my targets? Yep. Awesome. Then I can have it. So they don't see food as either I can have it or I can't have it. They see everything as a bit of a spectrum. Right. Rather than going, oh, I've got to be all in. I'm going to go 100%. And if I can't hit my macros in my training plan specifically, exactly as I need to, then it's all fucking thrown out the window. They know that every little choice and every little thing they do adds up as opposed to throwing the baby out with the bathwater if something doesn't go their way, which is, I think, the biggest thing that people struggle with. They'll throw everything out. They'll say, basically, I failed if I've, you know, let's say I missed a meal or I missed a workout. I failed. I'm just going to stop doing everything. I'm just, I'm not even going to bother eating. I'm not, what's the point, right? Whereas they realize, as Travis talked about before, it's actually a point system. It's not about scoring zero or scoring 21 in a week. It's about how many times in a row can you hit all three points and don't miss twice, and they realize that, hey, if I miss today, that's okay. I just got to get my three in tomorrow. I got to get my three points. I got to get my three points rather than it be like, oh, I've missed, you know, three points today. So I might as well miss three points tomorrow and then miss three points the next day and then miss three points the next day and then be like, oh, fuck, this doesn't work. It's like, yeah, because you jumped off the bandwagon, bro. What the hell? So they don't have an all or nothing mentality. Um, so as a result, they don't end up binging, right? And this does tie kind of into that weekend cycle that people tend to do. Um, so they don't have that binge restrict cycle. And, uh, and, you know, as a result, they don't think about just being all in all the time. They realize they can have a bit of back and forth, a bit of play and a 90% plan that you can do hundred percent of the time is better than a hundred percent all in plan that you can only do 60% of the time, right? The, the numbers just stack up in your favor. Mate, I completely agree. I think it's also helping them understand that when you're saying there is no such thing as a good or a bad food, I think that is such a crucial understanding for people not to go into this binge restrict kind of cycle they understand that i can't they understand calories they understand macros they understand well you know if i'm eating 2000 calories a day you know i can have some of the foods i enjoy because the first thing if i tell you you can't have chocolate all you're thinking about is want chocolate want chocolate you can't have ice I'm, cream i'm gonna have it now 
Exactly. hundred percent, mate. Like, because people want to defy authority. It's just how we are. Um, and if I tell you, you can't have something, you want to have more and more of it. But instead, if I can, I tell you, it's like, no, man, you can have it. You just have to have it in these amounts. Like it helps them understand. But also, you know, for certain, certain people, it's like, I can't have Tim Tams in the house. Like me, that, that's, that's it for me. I know if there's a pack of Tim Tams, like I'll eat them all unless they're in the fridge. And that's my go around. We all talked about this before. I don't eat cold chocolate, right? So I think it's, it's understanding, do you have triggers that there is just like, nah, it doesn't even matter if it's in the house. Even if I can fit one Tim Tam or two Tim Tams in, I'm going to eat like 28 Tim Tams. If there is like a family pack, like I am the family and the packet is mine. Um, <laughs> But, but it's the truth, dude. Um, so I think one, it's telling them, it's telling them to, it's like, no, there's not any, there's no such thing as good or bad foods. There is just, can I fit it into my calories today or not? And it's now a choice. It's like, if I'm going to have a few more calories of ice cream and it's going to give me a little bit less calories for everything else, you might learn, oh, I was a bit hungry because of that. So I'll have a little bit less next time and I'll have a bit more volume based foods that's going to help. Um, support my training and support my energy. I think that's one thing with all or nothing. And two, it's helping them understand the mentality of the binge, right? It's like, I, again, I think we have talked about, it's like the mentality of binge eating, you know, when we're talking about in this sense, not the, um, not in a clinical, um, sense. clinical sense. Yeah. Thanks, Jace. Um, But when we're talking about it in just the sense of like, I'll under eat and over eat, um, you know, on the, the daily basis that dads tend, tend to do. Now, they'll go, I've had a muffin and they'll, they'll say, screw it. And they'll like, just go off the rails for the next two or three days, overeat calories. And then just they'll, their weight will actually go up because the extra carbohydrates and the, the sodium and the fluid they'll start to retain. Um, but it's like, I punctured my tire. So you're driving from point A to point B. Okay. And this is the biggest analogy I'd say to all my guys. It's like, you're currently point A and you're going to point B, whether that be, if they think about it, I'm a hundred kilos, I'm going to 90 kilos and I'm just driving along from point A to point B. And I've given you a set of directions. Now on that set of directions, there might be a detour. Okay. And that detour, or you might have a flat tire. So if we look at it, you know, all of a sudden you're driving point A to point B, you had a flat tire. Now, that is just like having the muffin and maybe a bad lunch, right? You know, that might just set you back a couple of hours on your trip from point A to point B and might even not even set you back much at all. You change the tire and you get on with it. If I then go, no, because I have a flat tire, because I overrate that one meal, it's going to then lead me to overeat the next three or four days and I'll get back to it on Monday. That's not just puncturing one tire. It's like, oh, you look at it, I punctured my tire. I'm going to get out. I'm going to stab every other tire on my car just because I've stabbed one of them. I punctured one. I may as well do the whole thing and stab every, no, like guys, that is a ridiculous mentality. Now, you, when, in this sense, you're like, of course I wouldn't puncture every other tire. That's ridiculous. It costs me money and I wouldn't get to where I wanted to go. Yeah. Exactly the same thing as with your food it is a ridiculous mentality. Just because you had one bad meal, you don't then follow it up with three days of excessive eating just because that's the mentality that people need to get over. It's like, yeah, you had one bad meal. Your calories might be up on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They can be back on point, and we're still on track to losing our, hundred, our 10 kilos from 100 to 90 kilos, and you might be within, within a day or two okay, of hitting the goal. And if we overgo those calories for the next three days, it might put us back two weeks. So I think it, that's one of the biggest things that sort of binge-restrict eating and also – helping them understand there's no such thing as good and bad foods and having that structured discipline really helps. I think number, the next one we want to look at is they understand what habits that derail them and they actually stay away from these habits. So we taught these like keystone and kryptonite habits. So I said earlier, my key for me, a keystone habit, that's the habit is the domino that knocks over all the other dominoes for me. Like that's training. Everyone has somewhat of a different keystone habit. I think for a lot of guys, training is a keystone habit. I just truly believe it is. Um, for some people, it is sleep, right? For me, like I could sleep one hour and if I still train, I'm on point with anything, right? If, but if I don't, I could, if I could sleep, you know, 22 hours, I could sleep my eight hours and I don't train, I can be all off. But like training, I know it is the domino that knocks over the other dominoes. But then with that, 
kryptonite. There's that kryptonite habit that then knocks over all the other bad habits. So we have to look at it the other end. It's like, I know I'm, for me, I know I must train. And for me, I look over here. It's like, okay, what are my kryptonite habits? For some people, it could be drinking. It could be Friday night drinks. Could be a kryptonite habit that knocks over the dominoes of overeating Friday night, overeating Saturday, overeating Sunday, not feeling great on a Monday, right? That could be a kryptonite habit. We take that kryptonite habit out. We don't drink on the Friday night. We don't go socialize on the Friday night because we know we wake up fresh on a, on a um, Saturday morning. It could be after after work beers with the boys. That could be a kryptonite habit that leads you to, I finish work at three, I have a couple of beers, and then I go home because I've had a couple of beers. I have more beers and I don't train. Like that could be a kryptonite habit. A kryptonite habit could be pressing snooze. Like I put my alarm away from the bed and it makes me get out of bed, okay? And it forces me to get up. So we've got to look at it as like, these kryptonite habits sometimes can be like environmental. When we say environmental around the house, it could be environmental as far as the people we engage with, or it could be work-based. It's like, you really have to go. It's like, if I took these two things out of my life, these two kryptonite habits out of my life, would that shift me in a positive direction for the next year, for the next two years, for the next three years? For sure, yeah. Like if you're drinking most most afternoons after work and you took that out for the next two or three years and you didn't have the three or four drinks after that, your life would be completely different. If we didn't start, you know, have, get, get, you know, have a huge meal on a Friday night and then follow that up with, you know, the weekend of overeating, mate, your physique would be so much different in one, two, three years because of that. So we want to look at these kryptonite habits. They're that habit, there is a domino effect that knocks over other bad habits. And now hmm. you got to look at it and it's like, how can I eradicate these kryptonite habits from my life for the rest of my life? And then you, your, your trajectory of life will change forever. I think that is a big thing they understand. Yeah. And you might even be surprised. There was a client I was speaking to the other day who he, whenever he got home, would basically, you know, binge eat a bunch of chocolate, a bunch of stuff. And from the discussion I was having with him, it's because he ate so little during the day. He got so busy. He never took lunch breaks. He never really ate during the day and he'd come home starving. I'm like, right. So that's a kryptonite habit for you. If you don't have your lunch and if you don't have like a nice filling meal, then you're going to come home feeling hungry. And that's going to kind of cause that domino effect as well. So it might be one of those things that's kind of a little bit out of sight, but it's like for him, if he eats a big enough lunch and he actually makes sure he eats his lunch then he doesn't come home hungry he doesn't want to binge eat chocolate he doesn't want to do all those other things that kind of flow on from that so just be aware of it's like well where's this coming from and i was trying to think as you were talking what are some um bad habits that i have and it's like it's been so long since i've been derailed that like i mean getting injured is that a habit how often do you have to do it to um to 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 for it to be a habit um but it kind of leads back to yeah if you if you train like for me, when I'm not able to train, like I wasn't able to train over like COVID and a couple of illnesses. I was able to go a couple of weeks, but if it gets much beyond that, then you know, mentally it's like, it starts to become super difficult. So movement for sure. It's like having a, a keystone habit that's powerful enough to knock over the bad habits as well. If you do accidentally start the dominoes, make sure you've got like a, a sledgehammer in place to kind of hit them back the other direction. And um, I think for me, that's training for sure. Yeah, man. Um, I think when you went before that, it's like a keystone habit could be though ego lifting, not for you, but I'm just mm. like a different one for people to do. It's like every time you go in the gym, you think you're, you know, you might be currently 45 and you think you're, you're 18 and I'm going to hit a PR every single time. It's like, dude, like, and you get constantly injured because like that is a, that is a kryptonite habit because then your ability to train frequently decreases your volume is through the floor. And yeah, that is a kryptonite mm -hmm. habit. Another one, just thinking for me as well, is like, you know, when I, I go do some clients in the morning and I get back and after that, like if I go and sit down straight away, that is a kryptonite habit for me. Like, mm -hmm. like I, I need to then walk straight into my office and start doing work. If not, I sit down, especially with the kids on school holidays. I just get back into like, weekend mode kind of thing where i'm just like a bit more chill and i'm not ticking off the boxes that i need to tick like for me that is another kryptonite habit i'm like okay i need to not do that um so that's another one to talk about so it's like it, it might not be the drinking it might not be always the eating it could be other things that you have to identify it's like what's holding me back from doing the standards that i need to be doing on the daily basis to make sure i win this game sorry jason mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. And there's some really good ones. Definitely. I think for me, it was ego lifting, not necessarily in terms of the weight, but in terms yeah. of, oh, I have to do deadlifts. If I don't do deadlifts, I'm a little bitch. And then I turn into a little bitch because yeah. I can't get off the couch. That's right. They, they humble you. Um, the the next one is one that I 100% resonate with, which is they don't snack in between meals. Now, 
you might not think it's much. And this is something that's very, um, it, it happens a lot for dads because you're picking food off your kids' plates. Like a, I'm not at the age yet when I've seen that happen because like my daughter yesterday had um, ground up lean beef mince with like peas and broccoli and then like a pureed like peach. Uh, none of that's appetizing. I'm, and plus she puts her hands in it. She gets all over her face. I'm not fucking spooning that into my mouth, right? But as they get older and you start making them, I don't know, chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese and whatever else, you know, hopefully you're making your kids something a little bit more than just that. But I know that they can get picky. Um, you know, you start picking those things off the plate, right? You walk past, this is something my dad is super guilty of. It's just like going to the cupboard, the amount of effort it takes him to like open a packet, pour it into like a Tupperware container. And then every five seconds, he'll still go in, unclip all the lids, all the lids of the Tupperware, take the lid of the Tupperware off, put two things in his mouth, put the lid back on, clip it back on, put it back in the cupboard, go away. Three minutes later, he'll go back to the cupboard, do the same fucking thing again and again. I'm like, he's almost burning off the calories just through the effort it takes to take it out. But the, those might seem like little things. But as we talked about on last episode with Easter, right? Every one of those little Easter eggs is still 40 calories, right? You do three or four of those and you're at sort of that extra 150, 160 calories. You can do that pretty easily without even thinking about it. You add in, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, we've got, we've got a couple of snacks um, for, for us. It's like those pretzels, like the hard pretzels, a um, couple of handfuls of those every now and then. Cashews and nuts are also a big one, mm -hmm. right? Where you can really fuck yourself up on a handful of like roasted almonds. They're so Moorish, but they're also so calorie dense. And one or two or three of those little snacks throughout the day um, this is like, if you don't track it, right? So if they don't, even if they don't track it, that's still that extra sort of 150 to 200 calories a day that you don't need that can slow your weight loss down by up to 50%, right? You might be getting you, and then you might get frustrated. And for some people, if you're in a, um, if you're at the tail end of it, right, you might not be moving as much. You might end up with a, um, with that completely erasing your calorie deficit if you're at the sort of the lower end of the weight spectrum. So, you know, that those little unconscious snacks can make a difference, but the bigger reason why you don't tend to want to snack in between meals and why our successful clients don't do that is because it reduces the amount of food you get to have at the meal. And you tend to not really be present with that food that you have, right? You're not like most people when they snack, they're not sitting down to like a purposeful, intentional snack where they're like, I'm, you know, I'm a bit hungry right now. So I'm going to sit down, I'm going to have a snack. I'm going to get some like some rice cakes and put some, you know, some peanut butter on them and, you know, have a stick of celery and I'm going to sit down, I'm going to have it, I'm going to enjoy it. Most people kind of snack unconsciously. And then it's just calories that they've eaten that, now mean, oh, you know, I guess I can't have as much for, for dinner now. Oh, now I'm going to be a little bit hungry. When you have larger meals, they tend to keep you psychologically fuller for longer, which is why intermittent fasting and what we recommend for a lot of clients is a modified intermittent fast where you have protein at the start of the, you just have a protein shake and then you go big lunch, big dinner is because I mentally personally feel way more full having two 800 calorie meals than I would having three 600 calorie meals for the same calorie load. It's just that extra little bit that just really is like, oh fuck, I'm having a full meal. Like your, your stomach sticks out. You're like, oh my God, I can feel how full I am. That mental barrier of not ever hitting that mental, that, that physical fullness point comes because most people snack in between meals. Because yeah, like snacking in between meals is important if you are bulking and you're struggling to get your calories in, but most people aren't listening to this podcast because they're in that position. So taking away the mental thought of food in between meals and making it almost like a rule for yourself means number one, you don't have to think about food until it's mealtime. So that mental thought of, oh, I'll just, I'll grab an, even if it's like, oh, I'll grab an apple or oh, I'll just grab a couple of chips or whatever. It's just like, no, I do not fucking eat between my meals. I have my meal, my next meal is at this time. I'm not going to think about food till then. It's off the it's off the table. It's out of the question. It frees up mental capacity. It frees up calories in the day. It means you get to have bigger meals, which again lends itself to not snacking because you're having bigger meals. And then the cycle goes on. So this is probably hard for people, you know, like ourselves. Sometimes I work from home. I'll still track the snacks that I have and I am trying to gain at the moment. So it makes it a life a little bit easy for me, but I've noticed that I'm pretty much eating similar size. Last night I had the same size meal as I used to have when I was shredding because I had so many snacks throughout the day. And I was like, fuck, this is devastating. No, I want to, I want to have two steaks for dinner <laughs> instead of one. I'm, 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 I'm not snacking tomorrow. Um, but that's, that's the mentality that they take. The, the more you tend to snack and just eat throughout the day, the more that singles signals your body to give you hunger cues frequently throughout the day, because that's your eating pattern. Whereas if you limit, yourself to just eating at your meal times it frees up mental energy it frees up focus it frees up calories to just have bigger and better meals and more enjoyable meals because you're not left to basically just have scraps and salad because you had it all on 
you know, two handfuls of almonds and a couple of things of pretzels and a bag of popcorn, right? So not snacking in between meals is a really, really um, powerful habit to get into because it just, it pays so many dividends. Definitely, mate. I think the next thing is they eat 90% of their food at home. And when I say at home, I don't mean they always eat at home and nowhere else. It's like they prep their food at home 90% of the time. So if we look at it and there's, you know, 28 meals across the week, um, they had, you know, 24 of them at home or made from home and they ate out like four, four of the meals. So when we look at, or 25 and ate out three meals. So when we look at this team, this is because they have more control. They have more control of how much grams of actual meat it is, how much grams of carbohydrates, the way it was cooked, how much fats are in it because they're not adding in all these dressings, oils, butters to try and make things taste great. So they understand how it was prepared, how many calories it actually is. There's less guesstimation around it. And they nail their calories day in and day out because of that. And again, there's less decision fatigue. So again, they got that more structural discipline. So I'm not going to go on about this one. They just eat at home, you know, eat at home or from home 90% of the time because it makes things simple and they can track easily by doing that. Yeah. The amount of times I've ordered like a burger and chips and be like, all right, I can, I can fit in maybe about half of the chips and then you eat half of the chips and then the chips is still sitting there. They're fucking looking at yeah. you and they're just sitting there and they're just like, Jason, eat me. Oh, I'm, I'm just, just one extra little crispy one. Just, and then you're talking and then you just grab one and you it's chew on one. And then you end up eating three quarters and you end up eating, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to eat the rest of them. So another reason, yeah, that portion control is huge. Um, next up is, this is one we talked a bit about last week in the meal prep and meal planning, but they stick to two to three breakfasts, lunches, and snacks. Um, if they, you know, allocate themselves snacks and that's where that they want to do it. And they eat them similarly every single day to decrease the amount of decisions that they have. Me personally, I have one breakfast, one to like maybe two. My special weekend breakfast will be making my wife and myself eggs, right? Doing like some scrambled eggs with some um, some ham and some onion and stuff like that in it, right? But other than that, my breakfast every day has been the same. It's been a couple of high brand wheat bix crushed up with yogurt, um, berries, peanut butter, and protein powder. And that's it, mixed up every day. I love it. I enjoy it, you know, I, but I also know I'm not trying to get enjoyment out of every single meal I have, which is half the problem that people have, yeah. right? They're like, oh, every meal is going to be this brand new culinary experience or it's going to be this amazing, de delicious feast. But sometimes a meal's just got to be fucking fuel. Sometimes it's just got to be, what am I putting in my body? And in saying that, mate, just to, to extend, it's like, man, you're 20 kilos overweight because you made every meal taste good for the last 10 years. Mm. It's like you don't have to make every meal taste good for the next sixteen weeks. That's a lot of enjoyment. You've enjoyed enough. It's time to actually simplify shit. Exactly. Yeah, it's good to have light and dark. If you don't have the uh, the standard meals, you don't appreciate the, the buttery goodness anymore. Um, exactly. I mean, look, that's that's a true point, though, right? People tend to have so much sugar and so much fat and so much, you know, fried foods and all that kind of stuff. They get so used to the taste of it that they forget how decadent it actually is until they get off it for a little while and let their taste buds acclimatize to you know, quote unquote real food. But um, yeah, that that again, that lack of having to make a decision and that lack of having to think every single day, oh, what about new meals and new foods and whatever else? It's like, we've talked about this time and time again, you know, both Trav and my families, we both have like, you know, between six and 10 meals that will just basically rotate between every now and then again, how, as depending on how we feel. But for most people that are successful, especially for breakfast and lunches, get your variety from dinners if you want, but two to three breakfasts and lunches, they're these, they're really efficiency meals. They're there. It's like, I want to get myself the nutrition. I want to get myself the, the hit of energy that I need to get through the day dinners if you're having social with family you know you can you have a bit of flexibility with that but by keeping and minimizing the amount of decision fatigue that you have to make for your breakfast and your lunches and just having your pre-packaged ready to go um options i just did a couple up for a um a client he's like i'm simple just give me a couple of give me like one or two days as like a default that i can just default back to and i was like cool this day is you're gonna have chicken and rice and you're gonna have steak and, and veg and potato for dinner and a smoothie in the morning the next day you're gonna have chicken and noodles and then you're going to have i can't even remember what the other thing i gave him was it was like a pasta or something and then that's it that hits it. he's like cool awesome all i need and he i already know he's going to absolutely smash it because this is what he does mate 100 i think like i have like you i have two breakfasts one that is fast 
where's my fast breakfast? <laughs> then I have, I have more time breakfast. Um, so I was like, that's, the, that's why I choose one or the other. If I have more time, <laughs> it's normally like an omelette and, you know, some muffins, right? If I don't, protein oats, like fast breakfast, long breakfast, simple. Um, and then the same, it's like, I have a lunch, meal prep lunch, shepherd's pie. Always tastes good, reheats, moist, tastes great, protein, bit of carbohydrates and some veg. Like shepherd's pie is the ultimate meal prep for someone who just wants to not have dry chicken reheated. Um, mm. Or if I have time, I will air fry some tenders that have been marinated with some veg and some rice. Like fast breakfast, a fast lunch, like long lunch. Like that's my two normal um, lunches. Then we have the rotations of dinners, like you said. I think it's looking at that. The, the next thing is, it's a bit of a simple one, but they track their food the night before the next day starts, okay? So if you're listening to this and you don't track your food, well, I think you understand from now you should be tracking your food um, because, you know, what we don't measure in life, we can't manage. So if you hit a plateau and you're not tracking your food, what do you do? I eat, mm. you know, if you're eating clean, you can't eat cleaner, right? So you, you're actually... you're. Yeah, take a drink some. Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) So when we look at this, when we look at this, you can't eat clean. So we can only go, well, I had 150 grams of chicken. I'm going to have 125 grams. I had 200 grams of uh, sweet potato. We're going to have 150 grams. It's very easy to then decrease the calories to push through a plateau. So make sure we're tracking food. That's one of the biggest things, right? And then they track it the night before because the last thing you do when we talk about, again, structural discipline, reactive discipline, so it's coming back to that same sort of thought pattern again. If I'm tracking every food, I'm going to have lunchtime today. Oh, Jace, what do you want to go for lunch? Oh, he's like, oh, I'm going to go to Guzman and Gomez. You're like, all right, let's go out. And you're like trying to track what you can eat. And then you had like a 600-calorie breakfast. You had an 800-calorie lunch. And then you're getting to dinner time. So, oh, what can I fit in for dinner? Your wife's made some sort of pasta. And you're looking at your, your, your phone. I've got like 400 calories left. You're like, I don't want to eat nothing. I want the pasta that my wife just made for dinner. Can I, can I, and you, can I pick all the chicken bits out of the pasta? <laughs> exactly. I only have protein left. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, but if they track it the night before, they know, well, I'm eating this for breakfast. I'm eating this for lunch. I had a conversation with my wife while having pasta for dinner. So they allowed me to choose those things for breakfast and lunch. And they've pre-filled out the day. All they have to do now is follow through. There is, mm. there is literally no decisions they need to make. All they're doing is to play through the day now because they all made all the decisions before they were in that moment of, you know, that sort of delayed gratification because we suck so bad at it. So it's like in the moment, oh, what do I feel like right now? We're trying, uh, of course you feel like donuts. Like, of course you feel like Guzman and donuts. Of course you feel like, like you feel, whatever you feel like that. It's like, it doesn't matter what I feel like. I've already tracked it and this is what I'm going to eat because you thought about what you're going to eat before that moment. And I think that is probably one of the most crucial things. Yeah, it's like, it's a lot harder to untick a box that's already ticked. Like I've ticked my nutrition. Mm. It's a lot harder mentally to untick that completed box. Like oh, I've already fucking nailed my goal and I haven't even started tomorrow. You don't like mentally, that is just too hard for most people to want to do. Whereas if you're going through the day and you're just kind of winging it, unless you're experienced, yeah, you're gonna like, oh, I can maybe make dinner fit. And then you get to the end of the day and you've already killed, you've already lost the game because you didn't, you weren't aware of what the game was going to be. So hundred percent, make sure you're, you're, pre your forward planning it's it's one of the biggest things like tick your box before it's this is why training in the morning works so well as well you tick in the box as early as possible so it's like i've already got my win that momentum carries you forward um the next one and this is a big one as far as ticking boxes is concerned is that they don't let the stress dictate their food choices they stick to their plan this comes in a couple of different forms now most of the guys that are really successful they go beyond just training and nutrition right and this is what we try to talk about with the the fit dads club as a whole is it goes beyond just oh i'm going to eat protein and lift weights and and go for walks and runs and stuff that's that's not what it's about it's about being fit mentally as well it's about being the best version of yourself and that goes beyond just lifting weights and eating food it goes through having a better mentality and teaching your kids how to handle their emotions better and handle their stress better and and just being a better dad all around and a better husband. All of these things matter when it comes to being a fit dad, right? You want to be an emotionally fit dad and a mentally fit dad too. And what a lot of our mentally fit dads do is they don't let stress dictate their choices. They realize that 
food is one way that a lot of people have used to cope with stress for a very long time because essentially when we're eating it's activating this almost this part of our brain that's like you're safe there's no predators around there's no saber-toothed tigers because you know they, they would go hunt and kill and then they would bring it back to their cave and and back to their village before they would eat it because it's safe you're not just going to chow down on a on a you know tiger out in the middle of the wilderness you're going to bring it back to safety before you eat it so when you eat it's mind it's mindless in a sense that it helps shut off your mind for a little bit which is why when people get stressed they eat our successful dads have other ways to deal with stress they go for a walk they go for a run they meditate they journal they just they sit and breathe they do some box breathing right they talk to their spouse about it they talk to someone else about it they're like yo i've got they talk to their coach about it right like i've i've had a number of conversations with real guys about stuff completely unrelated to fitness because it has an impact so stress management and stress optimization is a huge one and you in order for you to not let it affect your choices number one you need to pre-plan and have those defaults ready to go right things like the shepherd's pie in the fridge or the freezer that you can reheat that's good to go right because if stress comes up and you haven't got a plan and you haven't got a bit of a fallback position even if it's like the you foods meals right frozen in the freezer we talked about them a bit last week having those easy options when stress and shit hits the fan they're going to make it a lot easier to stick to your plan. So you need to have two things. Number one, a plan on actually how to deal with stress better than just resulting the food. And number two, you need to have some fallback options where you know life does get hectic and stressful and you can lean back on them. We've used probably more freezer meals in the last week and a half than we have for the last five months of having a baby because she's gone through that sleep regression, right? Around four to six months. And, it's, it's, and there's like a leap at this time. And there's all sorts of shit going on, right? She's, she's learning to crawl and sit. And just, as a result, she needs to cry. I don't know. It's like you're learning. This is good. But it means that for the last, yeah, for the last week or so, because I've been a bit sick, we've used like five or six freezer meals that we've had in the freezer for like four months. Um, now, most people would be like, oh, you know, the freezer is kind of getting full. We could probably chuck these out. We don't need them. But I made them for this time. So that when things were stressful, you had the fallback, you've got the easy option to go back to. So number one, find a way to deal with stress better, whether it's meditation, sleep, um, journaling, um, sleep as well, have a nap, right? You wake up, you'll feel better. Um, whether it's going for a run, lifting weights, whatever. Uh, and then number two is have a better backup plan as far as your food goes, especially. I think when you like, just to add to that, as you deal with stress better, it's like obstacles make me stronger. So it's understanding that if you deal with you, you, like you hit this stressful patch and you made a good decision, it's like a tick in the box towards that best version of you. The next time you find that stressful position, you'll be able to tick the box again easier and then it becomes easier and easier again. So, you know, it's only the hardest the very first time. And then it actually gets easier over time as we continue to tick the box until when you hit stressful situations, this is what you do. And you don't even have to think about it. I think that's a big thing if you understand. The next one is they, they resistance train three times a week, religiously. Like they are someone who lifts weights. Why? Because they didn't want to just lose weight. They wanted to be strong. They wanted to be a role model. They didn't want to be some, you know, they were an apple and they were overweight. They didn't want to be just a smaller apple, right? Like they, they wanted to <coughs> take their shirt off and go, well, that guy trains. Right, he he can if there is a saber toothed tiger coming at his family, he would still probably get eaten, but he could defend them off for at least two minutes while his family ran away. Right, so when you're looking just at that it, little little difference, just that little difference, right? That little difference that allowed his family to escape um, and get up the tree or something like that. Um, you know, if a bookshelf fell on him, he could push it off them. Um, so. Yeah. It's, it's, it's understanding that they strength train because they want to be a strong person. They want to have optimal body composition. It's not about losing weight. It's about losing fat. They want to be a strong role model, you know, to, you know, those around like Jack's like, it's funny. It's like, dad, who's the second strongest person in the world? Cause you're the strongest. It's like, well. I'm not the strongest, but I appreciate these kudos you're giving me today. <laughs> yeah, please, please don't go on YouTube and uh, yeah, look exactly. at any hole for anyone. He's not at that moment just yet. He just sees, yeah. Dad, I can lift really, really heavy shit. And like, he's like, you're the strongest dad at my school. And I was like, well, I don't go to your school, but yeah, I'll, I'll be up there with the strongest dad at your school. I'll give it that one. <laughs> uh, I see you talking to this guy, Jason, a lot. He, uh, he looks really skinny. You're way stronger than him. Yeah, that's, if, that's, if that's your bar, you're good. Yeah, you know, it's like um, Ben Kent, one of my mates. Um, he's very similar body type to me. Looks kind of similar to me. I saw him last weekend. We we're up in uh, Melbourne for Easter, and he's like, "Oh, Dad, 
who's stronger, you or Ben? I was like, I prefer not to answer this, this question, Jackson. <laughs> uh, I played the fifth. Yeah, exactly. As Ben's doing like 20 reps at like 280 kilo uh, deadlifts. I was like, man, like, let's just leave it at me and Ben look similar. Let's just keep it. <laughs> but they religiously strength train three times a week. It's something you have to do. Um, the next one, Jace. Next one is that they don't, this is one actually got into a, um, there's a couple of commenters on one of the Instagram posts that took offense to it almost, but they don't make excuses. They own up when they slip up and they never miss two days in a row. So the, the, I guess the difference between an excuse and a reason for a lot of people is like, when you have a reason, it's like, you know what? I didn't make the best choices because we were on the road and the only, the literal only thing that was available was this. So I had it and I accepted it. That was my decision and I moved on. People often use excuses to, again, they use it to excuse their behavior to imply that they're not the ones who are at fault. They're not the ones who made the decision, mm -hmm. right? So the more, and this is where it's like the truth will set you free. The more you can own and accept the decisions that you make, the better you'll get at making better decisions in the future. And the more you'll also respect yourself because you know, usually when you're lying, it's like, oh, you know, just, I just didn't have the time. And, you know, I don't know. I don't think anyone would have the time to do it. And it's like, in reality, you spent 40 minutes on Instagram scrolling through reels um, or you spent, you know, you spent it on the couch, you know, you drank a beer, you fell asleep, you didn't go to the gym, whatever it was, you made the choice to do that and then decided to blame other things. When you do that, you fall into this sort of this shame blame pattern and this cycle where you then don't go to the gym the next day. Then you don't, you know, you could fall into this, this, um, I've heard of it called a doom loop where you're just going to go around mm. and around and around sort of circling the drain. But what the successful guys do is they don't make excuses, but they own up when they slip up. And it's understanding that, yeah, we're all going to have times when we slip up. And it's not saying that if I make a mistake, that means, you know, uh, there, there's anything wrong with me. We're just saying, hey, everyone you know, makes mistakes every now and again. Just don't miss two days in a row. We've talked about this concept time and time again. I really want to hammer it home. Don't let one day turn into two days. Just say, cool, I missed this day. Yeah, I could have done better. That's on me. I'm going to do better next time. That's the attitude we want our kids to have. And therefore, that's the attitude that we need to have, especially when it comes to anything sort of body transformation related. You can't tell your kids, hey, that's all right. You'll do better next time. Whereas every time you mess up, you're like, fuck it. Wasn't my fault. Oh, whatever. I'm just yeah. going to YOLO and, and go out. It's like, <laughs> be the person that you want your kids to be as well. Um, exactly. And that starts with kind of taking ownership. Take ownership of your mistakes when you make them, if you make them and say, hey, I'm going to do my best to do better next time. That's all I can do. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to improve and grow because, yeah, that's what we do. And then just don't miss two days in a row. And honestly, mate, I think that's such a big thing because when I talk to my guys on a weekly basis, you know, we look at it and we go, okay, well, what's a hard day over the next week? Or is there any hard days? And they'll be like, oh, I'm traveling on Tuesday and we're traveling with the family. And we're going to be driving for like five hours. I'm probably not going to get my steps in. They've already looked at it and they've owned it. And me and them, we, we both had a conversation. I was like, okay, well, we had a goal of about 70,000 steps next week. You know, you're probably only going to hit about four or five on Tuesday when you're driving. What can we do to still hit the weekly goal? And it's the same as nutrition. It's like, so one, you pre-think to try and own your decisions ahead of time. Now there's that. And then again, there's responsibility and ownership. But then again, as you said, sometimes we, we have a mistake. And it's literally a mistake. So we separate. It's a mistake. I had a mistake on today. If you think of it like in a, a um, in a movie, like there's like multiple takes, right? I had a mistake yeah. and that was a day. It's done. I look back and I, I reflect on it. This happened. I'm not going to make excuses because no one else forced food into your mouth, right? If people are actually sitting you down, holding you down, forcing food into your mouth, call please let me know. Yeah, I was like, because I'll call the police for you. I was like, I'll call the police. And so your, your alarm goes off and someone's holding you down. You will not go to the gym. And you're like, like we'll sort something out for you, man. Like, don't worry. We, we, yeah. we got your back. Um, so, exactly. So unless someone's physically forcing you to do something, you own that decision because it was a choice. You made the choice, all right? So go, you know what? I had a mistake today. I reflect and this is what happened and this is what I would do differently next time because that's a level of ownership. Well, and then we have responsibility and we break that word up again. It's the ability to respond to a situation, responsibility, the ability to respond. So if you have the ability to respond to a mistake by never missing two days in a row, that is how you become a winner, right? Mm -hmm. It's not you sitting in the corner, making excuses, never learning from your situation, constantly playing the same groundhog day of being the loser, right? Because someone who constantly says they're going to do something and they never do it, they are a loser, right? Because they can't win. 
they, they, they don't have the ability to win because they'll keep pressing play on the same losing loop in their life year after year. If you learn, if you have a mistake or a couple of mistakes and you learn from it, then you're learning how to win because you had the ability to respond to it in a positive way. You took ownership of your life and then you will become the winner of your life. And it's not about winning and losing about me versus you. It's about you winning on the very best version of you. I think that's the big thing. The next one, guys, is they hit 10K steps a day. Now, you know, this was a broad one that I did write down. Um, you don't have to hit 10K steps a day. But when I look at it and I look at it across the spectrum of thousands of dads we've coached, the guys who get the best results hit somewhere between 10 to 14,000 steps a day religiously, like somewhere in that ballpark. The guys aren't hitting like 6,000 steps a day who are getting the best results. You know, they hit 10 to 14. They work out how they're going to do it. They know that if I go for a walk for 15 minutes, that's going to be 1,500 steps. They know that, you know, during the average workday, if I'm an office worker, I hit like 4,500 steps. I'll go for a walk in the morning for 15. I'll go for a walk at lunch for 15. I'll go for a walk after the gym for 15 minutes. I hit another 4,500 steps. I'm grinding out to 10K. Some people, it's easier to hit the 10K. Some people, they have to have, just like I said, a plan. This is how I do it. They know exactly how to hit that 10K. They get that. We'll, we'll, we'll label it, you know, there'll be people coming and watching this. So we'll label this in as neat activity. You know, neat activity is, you know, normally not including steps, but we're going to include in steps because it's like not an activity exercise thermogenesis, but this is still somewhat planned activity. Um, but we'll just label it in there for, for good measure for us right now. Um, so they plan how to hit the 10,000 because if you just go to the gym three days a week for 45 minutes and you walk 2,000 steps a day, you're going to have to eat very few calories to lose the fat. And that means it's going to be hard for you to stick to your diet. It's going to be harder for you to then make those calorie changes when you hit a plateau. So if we're having that extra calories burnt through our daily steps, being that little bit higher, <coughs> it allows you to eat more food whilst losing fat, making it more enjoyable, means you're going to stick to it for longer, which is going to get the body transformation you're after. Yeah, 100%. Steps are the biggest one as far as daily calorie burning. Like it burns so much more than your specific training sessions do. Um, that's mm. why it's, and it's, it's so scalable as well. Plus you, one of the, um, there's one of the dads I was speaking to the other day who's like, um, I haven't been able to get my sessions in um, as well as I'd like, but I've really enjoyed going for more walks. He's still progressing really well. And he's like, I really enjoy going for more walks because I go for the walk with my wife. We talk about the business. We talk about, you know, we just debrief with each other. And it's really good. It, it's really is like your best bang for buck activity. Cause it's like, you could either go train on your own and not get any connection with your partner or you could go for a walk with your wife and you get that sort of connection as well. So it's like, it is, you know, it's obviously there's more to it than just the exercise. There's, there's, there's benefits outside of that, which really sort of show, um, plus getting outside vitamin D, all that good stuff. Um, next up, they limit their alcohol intake midweek to at least under two per day and on weekends to maximum of four. This is important because when you have excess alcohol, it affects a couple of things. It affects your decision-making ability. You end up your, um, essentially your sort of tolerance for making better decisions kind of goes down. Your, your uh, inhibitions are lessened and you're more likely to increase your choices of, you know, you're going to text the ex-partner, you're going to do something stupid. You're going to, you know, if you're training in the afternoon, don't go to, don't try and squat after a couple of beers, you'll be crooked, um, you get an injury. But especially midweek, under two per day, because that's usually the limit at which you'll be able to metabolize it and burn it off before you get to sleep. And it's not going to affect your sleep too badly, right? It still has a bit of an impact, but it's not going to affect too badly. And it's two a day is probably not going to have an impact in terms of your overall like inhibitions. Like if you, I mean, for me, two a day would probably floor me because I just I don't drink very often at all. So two would I would be. I would be cutting loose. Like one is my limit at the moment, but um, the the effect that alcohol has on your decision making is really, really, you know, it's a high. Plus, the, the calories that are involved in it, right? When they do drink, they'll tend to drink things like the the um, the pure blondes and the low calorie beers, or they'll have, you know, they'll drink, you know, vodka or whiskey straight, or with with a, a zero calorie mixer, as opposed to drinking like Jackson Coke and having like four hundred calories in a bloody drink, right? And then on weekends, limiting it to four, because again, that gives you more time and more opportunities to screw it up and more opportunities. Like once you get to that higher range of alcohol intake, not only does it affect your sleep and it affects your tiredness the next day. We've talked about this before as well, where you'll end up making worse decisions because um, you know, ghrelin and all your other hunger hormones are going, kind of going out of whack because you've slept poorly. So your hunger signals are all off and you're sleeping poorly and all that other kind of stuff. So they will tend to not drink 
much at all. And if they do, it's going to be less than two during the weekdays and it's going to be less than four on the weekends because of all the factors. We talked about how alcohol can affect you, right? Whether it's sleep, whether it's um, appetite, all of those things. So if you are someone who drinks a fair amount, it's like, all right, you've got to understand the impact that that has on your life. And it's like, well, you can have one or two a day, max. If you're someone who has a six pack a day though, that's, uh, that's you know, Alcoholics Anonymous. There might, be, there might be something going on there. So understanding that the, uh, the effect that alcohol has in terms of not only calorie load, but also the mental issues that it can give you, the, um, the sleep issues, the hormonal issues that can come as a result of it, all of it, then that, and they just go, you know what? Not worth it for me. I'm going to limit myself. Yeah, man, I think I find it so interesting. Like a lot of the guys who have come on and have coached, they are the, hey, I normally drink like six to eight beers every single day. And it's more of a discussion. It's like, why do you feel like you need to drink it? And we'll have that conversation around it. They'll understand. I'll tell them the benefits of not drinking that and how they need to change their behaviors. And then one, you're not going to grow that lean muscle mass. It's going to be harder to lose fat. All these different things as well, as far as not just psychological, but also physiological. But once they start to, um, bring down that alcohol intake, they start to have better relationships with their kids, with their partner. And it's not just the training aspect. They're like, well, I didn't know how um, disengaged I was as a person because I was drinking so much alcohol. Now I'm, dude, I, I can count this year. And it's not that I, I can't drink, I can, but I can count on one, like one hand. This is how many drinks I've had this year like five glasses right? or five beers or five whiskeys, right? Like I can, I've had five this year. Um, so, you know, I'm not someone that drinks much at all, but I've come from a family of like alcoholics and I'm like, I can see what it does to people and I don't want to be that. So like, that's, that was my decision. Like, but if I do drink, like, Hey, I can drink with the best and like, you know, give me, I'm like, <laughs> give me a bottle of whiskey and I'll knock it off. But it's the fact that, I don't like the effects after it. I don't like who I am because I'm comfortable in the situation with who I am. I don't need to drink to deal with my stress. I don't need to drink to make me feel comfortable in situations. So I think in saying that, if you are drinking more than you know what we specified before, the two and the four, you have to understand why am I doing it and try and have a bit of a, and I don't want people to come at us right now and say, man, like having you know four drinks a day or six drinks a day is completely fine. Hey man, like you do you. I'm just telling you exactly what the best transformation people get on our program. And this is the protocol they stick to. If you're getting, you know, abs and, you know, huge biceps, drinking 17 beers a day, like go for gold, mate. That's, that's, you're, we're not coaching you. I'm coaching the guys who are not drinking that much, who are completely engaged with their family, who don't rely on alcohol, um, to, you know, enjoy social conversation, social engagements and want to be the best version of themselves because the best version of yourself doesn't mean you need to drink alcohol every single day of your life. Now, the last, oh, the second last one, man, is they, this is a big thing as well. They track their foods even when they go over on calories, right? And I think what it does, it gives them an understanding. It's like, it, it sort of puts a cap on their, and it is going back to when they overeat, they don't really overeat. It does sort of tie back in with that. So if I am going, oh, I had a pizza tonight and I had, I did have a couple of beers um, and I had a couple of chocolates, I'll track it. And I'll say, it's like, dude, I had like 3,000, you know, 400 calories today. And when we have a conversation around that, they know it's to increase their body, their, to increase by a kilo of weight they know that they need to go up by a 7000 calorie surplus so they need to be a 7000 calorie surplus to gain that so by tracking it it gives them a bit of um awareness it's like dude i only went over by like 1500 calories today i know my weekly calories will still be in somewhat of a deficit i'm not going to completely blow the bank and allows them to just get back on track the next day and that's what they do they make sure even when they go above they still track their calories the last one, and this is more for the guys who coach with us, but if you're not coaching with us, um, I want you to find someone you do this with because this is crucial. They book their weekly calls and show up. Now, when you're progressing towards the best version of you, I am 100% going to tell you right now, over the course of the next 26 weeks, you are completely going to fuck up at least once, if not twice, maybe three times because you try and change your life. Right. And when you do 
screw up, what happens is it's very easily to go into some form of shame spiral and not do the things we've already talked about today. You know, you tend to overeat, you tend to miss training sessions. And then when you have a level of accountability with someone and we have weekly calls with our guys to make sure they're on track and they're like, oh, I screwed up. I, they, what they start to think is I let Trav down or I let Jace down and they go into this shame spiral and they don't book their weekly call. When in reality, the weekly call is to help them reset, to get them back on track, to reset not only their training and their nutrition, but their mindset for the next couple of days. When, when they don't book that weekly call instead of, and they're in that shame spiral, then they continue to make bad decisions. And sometimes they then won't book for the next week. And there's like two weeks go past and they put on like three or four or five kilos. And then the sooner you can book that call in with your accountability partner, and for this example, it's us who is the coach who re-steers the ship and gets them back on track from that point A to point B like we talked about on um, before. It's like, hey, you just went on a detour, dude. You just went the long way. We're putting you back on the track and we're getting you to the end goal. So, you know, if you have someone, uh, whether it be every Friday or every Wednesday or every Monday, you know, for us, it's us for them clients, for our clients, and we have that to reset the course. Every seven days, we reset the course, both mentally and physically to make sure they get back on track. If you screw up, still book that call because that is important. That is our checkpoint. That is us recorrecting the course, whether you're doing good or bad. We don't shame you. Oh, you're a bad person. What is wrong with you? Like We don't do that, guys. All we do is like, okay, what did we learn? Like, why did it happen? And what did we learn? We force the reflection because then we reflect and we can grow and we can get back on track faster. So if you don't, if you aren't coaching with us, well, have someone else, probably not your partner, um, but have an external person that's probably not your missus is going to just like start some form of argument um, where you're like, I'm going to sit down with my mate every Friday. This is what my tracking was. This is my steps was. This is my training was. And they'd be like, dude, you stuffed up here and here. Why did that happen? And they, you need to have that level of ownership and responsibility again, not have, it's not shame, right? It's just win or learn mentality. That's like, you dude, I scored 17 points this week, man. Like I missed my, my goal by four points. Like, and then you go, what did I learn? Well, this is what I learned. I'm getting back on track today. It's like, okay, you do you. Cause you have to have that weekly accountability. I think Napoleon Hill said that and think and grow rich, like the ability that the most successful people have that um, mastermind. And it's the accountability inside the mastermind that actually gets the results. It's being accountable to someone that helps you be the best version of you. And that is why people will show up and book their weekly accountability call. And that is, guys, that is the top 16 tips. Like, we went through them all. Listen to this podcast multiple times because it will change your life. Now, if this sounded good and you want these 16 tips implemented by us to you and dramatically transform your life, go to fit-dad.club. Book in for a call. We'll see where you're at. We'll see what's holding you back. We'll see how to overcome that and get you the best results in your life. We have 16-week transformation programs. We have 21-day kickstart programs. We have everything that's going to help you dramatically change your life. So go to fit-dad.club. Let me and Jace completely change your life to make you the best, help you be the best version of you. Leave a five-star review on iTunes, on Spotify. You know, if you're watching this on MSN Messenger, like wherever you're watching this, guys, um, leave a five-star review, comment some questions um, on YouTube. Let us know what you want to learn because that's where we, we want to try and engage with the community as much as we can to help you answer your questions that are holding you back from the best version of you. Ask the questions, leave the reviews, book in for a call. I can't wait for next week, guys. That is it from me and Jace. Peace out. Have an awesome um, rest of your week. Peace out, guys.